Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's a Paralympic gold medalist, slide hockey player representing Team USA, motivational speaker, and certified adaptive and inclusive trainer. It's Kyle Zitch. How are you doing today, Kyle? Good. How are you? Doing good. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Uh, yeah, so I'm from South Hadley, Massachusetts, born at Bay State in Springfield, Mass. Um, born in Spina Bifida. Um, played able body sports growing up. Um, didn't really know much about adaptive sports or really even know another disabled person um, until I started sled hockey. But uh, leading up to that, I played um, all the sports in my backyard, but I played baseball for like South Hadley and growing up um, and in like seventh and eighth grade, it got too uh, competitive with running. Um, so I probably wasn't going to make the high school team. So um, gave up baseball. And finally I had known about sled hockey for a couple of years before I tried it. I had no interest in it. Um, and I gave it a shot and fell in love with it. And it's been 11, 12 years now. So, what age were you diagnosed? Uh, it's a birth defect. So, um, they knew uh, when I was in the womb that I was going to have spina bifida. Did your parents at the time were worried that you weren't going to live <clears throat> a normal childhood, or did that not stop you as you got older? Um, so, that, well, the, a lot of doctors said that I wasn't going to be able to walk or even crawl. Um, some said I wasn't going to make it to age five or six. Um, so, I mean, they always knew what, what was coming or um, were prepared for the worst, actually. Uh, when I was born, I had, uh, I, you know, I grew up, I learned how to walk. I learned how, well, I learned how to crawl. And I started walking and I started running. And I started playing sports. Um, and then it wasn't really like from then on, it was just kind of like I was living with spina bifida, but it didn't really stop me too, too much in my daily life. So, yeah. As you were getting older, did you ever meet another individual with the same condition as you, or did you kind of have to go on it at your own and not have anyone that you could reach out to, to understand what they've been going through? Yeah, no. So um, definitely not even, I don't even thought, think I met another person with a disability until 2005. Um, my neighbor uh, that I, like, I grew up with, my neighbor, um, his mom and dad had a daughter with spina bifida. She was born in 2005. So we were actually neighbors. Um, and as far as spina bifida goes, uh, it's very, uh, it ranges so many, like it varies between person to person. Like it depends uh, where on your spine is affected, open or closed back, uh, shunt or no shunt. Um, there's so many, you know, everybody with spina bifida is kind of affected differently. So um, I met her when she was born, obviously. And then once I started playing sled hockey is really when I started to meet uh, other people with spina bifida and uh, a whole range.
range of disabilities, like CP, amputees, uh, military vets, uh, kids born with birth defects, um, the whole, uh, every, pretty much everything. So you talked about the changed. You talked changed about, my life. You talked about the different sports that you played. What was something fun that you enjoyed about baseball? Um, I was good at hitting. I loved pitching. I loved being outside. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the ice rink and um, <laughs> I love the cold, but um, it was nice. It's nice to be outside like springtime. Uh, it's really when it's just getting warm out again, you're playing baseball, everything's blooming. Um, it's just the perfect time of year to be outside playing sports. So that's probably what I miss most about it. Did you ever face any challenges when you were playing baseball? I, um, I never ran as fast as other kids, but I mean, I could hit just as far. I could throw just as hard. So not really. Um, just more like I couldn't make the more competitive teams because I just wasn't that fast. So but I had a great baseball career while it lasted. So It sounds like you more enjoyed just playing. Like it didn't matter if you couldn't exceed at the level of expectations, you just wanted to have fun. And especially during the age of kids that they should enjoy playing sports. It shouldn't be competitive. It's not like you're trying to get a high or a college scholarship at the age of seven, even though some parents Mm -hmm. think that they're going to get a scholarship at that age. But was that kind of true for you where it was just all about having fun, even when you went into running and then into sled hockey? Yeah, there is no, um, like levels above uh, just the sport I was playing there. Like it wasn't even on my radar um, because I didn't even know about sled hockey. I didn't know about Paralympics. I didn't know about, I obviously knew I wasn't going to make an Olympic sport. Um, <clears throat> and then I started playing sled hockey um, and didn't know about anything higher than practicing once a week. Um, and then kind of, couple months in I had seen some games that our adult team was playing um, and the teams they were playing had former national team players current national team players at the time Um, and that's when I was kind of exposed to the whole world of you know Paralympic sports and national teams and good club teams and um just that really because I've always been a competitive kid um, and my idea of adaptive sports before I knew about them um, was just to have fun which like is great but like I've always been a competitive kid Um, and then I found out about the the higher levels and then I wanted to make it and then I started improving quickly and um, started playing with Northeast Passage up at a UNH that had a couple of national team players um, and then just kind of snowballed from there and made the development team in 2014. And then I was pretty much all in on trying to make the national team. So. As you were growing up, did you have any influences, someone that motivated you kind of kept you going to go for all your dreams and passions and goals? Um. I mean, not that family is important, but they're always supposed to support you. But so I didn't have anybody outside. Like 
like a, a sport role model that I could look up to. Obviously, mom, uh, dad, sister, um, they've always pushed me to to do what I can and um, exceed in anything that I try. And um, yeah, and um, but not in the sporting world. So um, it's it's different now. I do um, like as soon as I found Paralympic sports, I had a lot of role models. But when I was real young, uh, not really, honestly. Did sports ever take over kind of like where you couldn't separate the two, where you wanted just to play all the time and maybe education or personal life didn't even, wasn't a big thing at the time? Or were you able to control both? Um, when I was a kid or more recently? As you were growing up, because definitely during it, it now as a career, it's definitely yeah. a big part of your life. But as growing up, when you're getting involved in these sports, sometimes kids it takes over their lives where they don't get to just enjoy Mm -hmm. yeah no so uh it was a good spot for me I lived my next door neighbor we had a long driveway so we had a big backyard like his backyard was my front yard and um honestly when we weren't in school we were outside in the summer playing sports football and baseball um and then we played our like our rec team sports growing up um so i mean it was always really school sports I played a lot of video games growing up um so no i didn't necessarily apply myself in school like um like i wish i did but hindsight's 2020 so it is what it is but um sports never really took over my life but once i started getting older and getting into hockey that's it kind of started slowly taking over my life and now it is my everyday everyday thing so if you weren't an athlete sometimes we're always asked what's that dream job we were wanting what would you want to do as a career if you weren't an athlete um that's a good question i honestly i don't ever think about it or I mean, when I was a kid, like I feel like every every kid wants to be either firefighter, police officer, in the army, or a doctor, like one of those things. But like, I never really had anything I was dead set on. When I was younger, I wanted to make it to the major to to the MLB. Um, so I guess it always kind of leaned towards sports and athletics. Um, so, yeah. I think a lot of definitely at that high school age, it, sports starts becoming, oh, I want this to be a career, but then they figure out how the path to get there. And it's a lot of hard work. I mean, you're mm-hmm. training, you have to basically go long hours and things like that. When you got into sled hockey, you mentioned earlier that you didn't know about it at first. And I think a lot of people listening probably didn't even know about it at the time until recently where it's become so big and it's getting that global exposure. When was that first time, and if you remember that memory, where you saw people playing it and your initial thoughts? Uh, Actually, yeah. So um, we had practices like once a week um in Westfield and um that was just like 
it was just practice. And then there's a big tournament at the end of the year where teams come from all over. And that was the first time I'd ever seen a game or any other, like other team besides my team. So, um, and then I remember the Philadelphia Flyers, they had some players that could play. And then um, the team I'm on now, before I even knew about them, they had uh, at the time, one of the best players in the world. Um, They've always, they've had a long history of having national team players. Um, but it was that tournament for the first time when I saw it, I was like, wow, like, <laughs> like there's like, these guys are so good. Like, like it, I didn't even understand that, like how they did the stuff that they were doing. So that, that's definitely, that memory stands out for sure. Growing up in Massachusetts, probably the biggest NHL team is Boston Bruins. Were you a mm-hmm. hockey fan before? Yeah or this started your passion for hockey basically yeah we weren't really a hockey family we were a baseball family because i was super into baseball um we'd watch all the games um i'd watch a catch a bruins game here and there on tv but uh, it wasn't until i started playing that i started watching it and uh, really getting into it and then <laughs> that was around the time the bruins won the stanley cup um, so it was kind of perfect timing to really be getting into hockey. Um, so as soon as I started playing, we became a hockey family for sure. How long did it take you for, to get comfortable being on the ice, especially those sleds? Um, it's man. I remember my first skate, my arms were sore for three or four days. Um, it's a lot when you first start. It's a, um, I picked it up quick, but the muscle, like muscle wise, it takes a long time for just the body to get used to that. And then sitting down, moving your hands, balancing, um, and then you throw a puck into everything and then people trying to hit you. Um, it's definitely a lot to kind of get used to at first. Um, but I think by, uh, my second year is when uh, Northeast Passage asked me to come play with them. And then my third season, I think I was full-time up at NEP playing on their team. So, yeah. Did you have to change your fitness routine or anything for sled hockey than what you did previously? Yeah. The only exercise I got, like I never went to, the gym when I was a kid really all through high school I didn't really hit the gym too too much um once I made the development team that's when I was like yeah I gotta start hitting the gym so that's when it kind of changed um and then actually fast forward to making the national team in 2018 um I made it and then I kind of slacked off in my training um didn't really wasn't in a routine and then got cut from the national team after that season um so honestly i i've only been in my routine for the past like two or three years um of really knowing my body um when when to eat what foods and how much to work out and skate and stuff like that so leading up to getting to the national team do you have a favorite memory that you have championship that you won or some memory of a game 
Um, honestly, it would have to be. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but it was our first just tournament went not even like we didn't win a tournament it was a it was the first time we won a game and a tournament um we were um we our group has been together for like eight nine years on nep so we all started when we were real young um so we used to get beat pretty bad in national tournaments um, and then uh so we went through three or four years of showing up to tournaments and losing by 10 goals every game um so the our first ever win against Colorado um that kind of that stands out um because that boosted our confidence as a team and um just made us kind of more hungry to train and um now NEP has uh four national team guys so we've kind of kept that legacy of NEP going and just kind of the training culture so, yeah. When you're getting just beat by those numbers and those amount of games, did you ever feel like quitting? <sighs> there were definitely nights where you're in the in the hotel and you're like, "Why do we show up to these tournaments and do this to ourselves?" But there was always the thought of um, we saw a little bit of improvement here or there. Like, um, so honestly, no, there was never like we never had any issues of like people wanting to quit the team or not going to these tournaments. Um, I think for us, um, we started playing the game because we loved it. It wasn't to go win a national championship or anything like that. So I think our love of the game kind of started from, you know, not too much of a competitive side. So we were just happy to be, going to these cool places and playing in these tournaments against national team guys. Um, and then you start winning and then it's kind of a different kind of fun. So, uh, yeah. I've definitely been in the same shoes. I've been on teams, even for baseball, where we would lose every game and yeah. I would get so frustrated. I'm like, why can't we just win one? And it didn't take until the last game where we're tied going into extra innings and I have to pitch. I don't pitch. I'm horrible. I was a catcher back then. And I, we ended up leading and then I got the only win our whole season as a pitcher. But it's like, I felt like it was one of those moments where we needed to lose all those games to have that moment and that only memory of that whole entire season. And for you, you talked about how that win gave such a boost of confidence, but it didn't stop you from wanting to play. And I feel that I was similar where I just wanted to have fun and play. Like, I didn't care Mm -hmm. if we lose. It got me out of my house for a couple hours and I'm perfectly fine during the summer. It was that similar Mm -hmm. where it didn't matter. Like, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people listening, they're going to relate to that where they'll do anything, even if they're losing every time, but they just want to go in and have fun. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, we weren't always top of the sport, uh, national team guys. We started at our local programs and yeah, just that love for the game developed more at like more pure than just competitive hunger. So, and then it developed into that later. So, yeah. When you got the call to go for the national team, 
what was going through your mind at that time? And then after you got cut initially, what was going through your mind? Uh, the first time I got the call um, that I made it, I mean, obviously, I had put in a lot of work three, four months leading into it. Um, I had friends on the national team who had just won a gold medal in Pyeongchang. Um, so uh, I got the call, and it was probably one of the best days of my life. Um Went through that season. We won a world championship in 2019. Um, Didn't play that much in the tournament. Uh, Slacked off in the summer, celebrating the world championship. Got the tryouts out of shape. And uh, the GM called me and was like, we're deciding to cut you. And that was one of the worst days of my life. Um, And it was a rough road for... A little bit afterwards, uh, the first couple of weeks, I didn't want anything to do with the sport. Um, and then I decided that I did actually want to keep pursuing it. And I uh, just got serious about training. Um, and then COVID hit. Um, missed almost that whole season. We didn't really have a tryout. Um, and then uh, kind of once COVID kind of... Uh, lightened up and we could go back to the gyms I really got into a good training routine and then made the team again we won worlds in 2021 and then made the Paralympic team so um uh, it was a tough it was a tough time for sure but it taught me a lot uh, getting cut um so I'm very grateful for it now do you feel you needed that wake up call? Because yeah. if you continued partying for a past championship, you would know what your future would be like, especially not knowing COVID was coming up, not knowing that you would be winning that gold medal eventually. Yeah, it was a, it was a real 180 in my career. Um, I sat down and decided that I needed to take it seriously, take it full time train every day, diet, skate as much as I can. Um, and now it's just kind of a routine. Um, it's not even really that much work. Uh, I mean, it is. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy, but I mean, I love skating. Uh, I actually love being in the gym. Um, sometimes I find myself in the gym for two and a half hours. Wow. When, my work, when my workout's like an hour. But I just like hang around stretch for a while so um and then obviously I love being with my teammates and skating and um we're having fun out there and uh training is fun for us so like I mean we don't take I mean we take it seriously but at the end of the day like we just love hockey so that really pushes our training it's just that love for the sport Talk about a fun part about going to these world's championships is the traveling part. And I think a lot of people listening are probably jealous because you get to travel to all these amazing places. What was that experience like? Not looking at the hockey side, but traveling and exploring the culture of the cities you go to. Yeah, so um, I've obviously been 
quite a few states. Um, I've been all along Canada, um, but in 2019, we went to uh, Ostrava, Czech Republic. Um, so that was cool. That was a long flight. And then um, we took a train to Prague on our day off. So um, that was amazing uh, to see Prague. Uh, statues dated to the 1200s and um, those houses and just experience that culture. It's so old over there. Um, and then actually 21 worlds were in Ostrava as well. Um, but that was, we were in a closed bubble because of COVID. Um, still a great experience. We won. Um, and then the trip to Beijing was, was um, quite interesting with uh, all the testing that we had to do. We went out to LA for a week before actually heading out to Beijing. Um, and then we left all as one Team USA, like all the Paralympic uh, athletes left on a chartered flight together. Um, so that was a cool experience. And then um, getting off the plane in Beijing to see everyone in hazmat suits and latex gloves and all that um, was kind of like a, a shock. And then, um, by the end of it, it was just kind of normal two and a half weeks later. Um, but that's the best part is experiencing the different cultures and just the different people. Um, everywhere we've been, they've treated us so great. Um, so it's really cool to see that those cultures, um, you know, in person. Before being in sled hockey, were you, did you ever travel outside of the United States or this was like, I get to do something I love, but I also get to explore at the same time. Yeah, no. Um, I'd been to Florida and I think Texas and then all like the East coast. Um, but no, I had never been even to Canada. I had never even been. Yeah. Um, no traveling. Um, if you look at my passport when it was issued, it was a couple months after I made the development team. Um, so that's when my traveling really started. Um, and in those 10 years, nine years, um, I've seen a lot of cool places and we've gone to a lot of, uh, interesting spots and places and seen some cool things, met some very cool people. Um, so, I mean, obviously winning games is, um, winning these tournaments is the best part, but a close second is just traveling and seeing all these different places and cultures and people. A big thing with sports is definitely team camaraderie. And you mentioned a few times where the bond between you and your teammates had been so big. And one of your teammates is actually a mutual friend of ours, which is Josh Pauls, who actually was one of the first guests on the show. Talk about a moment where you interacted with these guys for the first time and you just felt the bond. Like you guys all have that same passion. You all have that same goal of winning a gold medal or a championship. Talk about that environment you experienced. Um, I would say um, 2019 Worlds is the first time we showed up and uh, the atmosphere was different. Um, I had 
obviously bond with, bonded with the, these guys. Um, the season leading up, we won um, a smaller tournament up in Canada in December, um, a couple months prior. Um, so that was like a little dose of it, but showing up to Worlds, um, everyone knowing what was on the line, um, just like it was time to put all that training that we'd been doing to work to, you know, like see it in action, um, see if it paid off. Um, like I said, I had I hadn't been uh, on top of my training leading into that, um, but being just a part of that team um, changed my view on everything um, for sure. Um, making the team again in two. We won in 20, so uh, late 2020. Um, and knowing that my training had really picked up and um, just getting out with those guys and really seeing that my hard work had paid off kind of made that bond a little bit even stronger. Um, just knowing that, you know, we're all putting as much work into the sport as we can. Um, and you can see it when we go out there as a team. Um, there's just no one compares to us when it comes to the bond that we have and how close we are as a team on and off the ice. Like we can go out to dinner and, uh, not everyone is split up at different tables. It's all 17 guys at one table. Um, and it just really translate translates on the ice when you see us play. With your team, it's definitely like a remote work office where everyone is located in different cities has that have brought you guys closer where you guys have to communicate more and but when you guys get together practice train it's like it doesn't even it doesn't even matter it's like you guys have been together for so long yeah we talk pretty much every day through our snapchat like group chat um and we all take trips like we'll coordinate trips out to denver or one of the guys were in Nashville leading up to Beijing. Um, so we would go, you know, meet up like 10, 12 guys at a time and have like mini camps. Um, and, you know, we skate for two hours a day, but then we're just hanging out for the rest of rest of that time. So um, actually being apart when we're not like when we come together, it does make it that much better, more special. Um, and we we all have a pretty good bond um, as a team, and um, yeah. But a lot of the, a lot of guys are starting to move, um, like to more centralized locations for for training. So um, we'll see. For people that are listening, to his left is a jersey. When you see that jersey and it says USA on it, and you're representing this country how important is that for you where a lot of people don't get that opportunity but you were one of the chosen ones to do that yeah I still get goosebumps every time I put the jersey on for sure um we for for games we all wait and we do it as a team and actually Josh Pauls will uh give a speech when we're all getting ready and then um we all put them on as a team and uh, everyone starts yelling and chanting. And um, it's a, it's a special moment. 
it's a special feeling every time you put the jersey on. Um, and then, you know, for the three medals that I've been on the team for, um, the national anthem at the end when we're all huddled, huddled together um, is a pretty cool moment too. So I definitely don't take it for granted. Um, I definitely take a step back and, you know, look at the jersey sometimes and uh, it's still surreal sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's very cool. Your whole experience with the Paralympics and winning that gold medal, when you came back, was it hard to adjust to the lifestyle you were living? Because you were so focused on training leading up to it. And then you were there for two weeks and now you come back and it's now like, okay, what's next for Kyle? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, It was a real tough time actually adjusting um, both jet lag wise. um, That was another aspect. Like the schedule was all messed up, like taking naps at 4 PM. Wow. um, Doesn't do great things for (laughs) your routine and your mental health. Um, and coming just, just off that, that big peak, um, you know, we had, like you said, been, we were in Nashville for a month and a half. So leading up to Beijing, um, we were living together. We were skating four days a week, uh, lifting together. Um, and then we went home for two days and, uh, because no one wanted to get COVID and not go to Beijing. We locked ourselves in our room pretty much um, and then went out to LA and then we were together in Beijing for two and a half weeks. Um, so uh, we got super close, like just that, just that adrenaline, adrenaline rush of um, working towards that final game. Um, almost as soon as, as it was over, uh, we weren't even out of Beijing yet. And I was already like, well, now what? Like, like it's just like it's a real lull after a really exciting time so um yeah plus you want to give your body a little bit of a rest so there was like a week or two where I didn't do much um but honestly getting back on the ice uh getting back in the gym um seeing some of my teammates that I hadn't seen since Beijing um just kind of gets you out of that little rut um so it was it was very tough though as a motivational speaker what's the biggest thing you're wanting to share with listeners about your story and everything you've done to rise to the challenge yeah um i just i'm like i said i didn't have a a person with a disability growing up to look at and be like look at all the cool things they're doing like um so uh I think that's the biggest thing that uh, I want to be is just like to have these little kids look at someone and be like, well, he has a disability, but it doesn't stop him from pursuing pretty much whatever I want to do. Um, obviously everyone has limitations, whether you're disabled or not. Um, so it's not really any different. I'm not, I'm no different than anybody else. Uh, I just use a chair to get around. Um, so yeah, just just be someone to have these kids to look at. Um, and yeah, just let everyone know that as, if you put in the work, um, you can do pretty cool things and uh, to not give up on those dreams. 
something I've loved listening to your story today is that you see the positive in everything. And I think that keeps you motivated to go out there and not let anything stop you. What, there's so many people that have disabilities, even myself with being a diabetic, where it takes a toll on you. But we both look at this as it's not something that's going to stop us. And I think I love that that's where you're at, where you've had those challenges that you faced, but that's not going to stop you because you've been, look at the bigger picture. Have you had that moment where kids have come up to you and say that they're inspired or you've played an impact in their lives because of what you've done? It's more, um, not really, not really so far as like, directly saying it but um just it's cool getting kids into the sport for the first time um and seeing them uh just fall in love with it the way I did and then um to have them and their parents follow me on Instagram and uh just to see the impact that me getting them into adaptive sports has done is um it's pretty cool I've gotten a couple kids into sled hockey and I'm very much about um even if it's not sled hockey, like just find a sport that uh, you like and uh, try all the different sports. There's so many, so many adaptive sports these days. Um, obviously, I love sled hockey the most, but um, just just get out there, whether it's winter or summer. Contact sport, no contact sport, team sport, solo sport, whatever it is. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's cool to see um, adaptive kids um, who are into two, three different sports already. They're eight years old, like seven years old. Like, um, it's cool to be to be a part of the the community as part of like a role model type person, and seeing where where the disabled community is, is heading. Probably going to ask you the hardest question you've ever been asked before. But if you had to pick another sport to play, including sled hockey, in addition to sled hockey, what would you be? Because you got to experience seeing a lot of other adaptive sports in the Paralympics. Did anything catch your eye? I know the Team USA team went to curling at one point. But what other sport would you want to try for fun? Um. Well, I... I just recently tried wheelchair lacrosse. Um, That was a lot of fun. Um, I love skiing. I've only been skiing. It was like a weekend thing, but um, it's super similar to being in a sled. So I picked it up very quickly. Um, So skiing would be fun. I think I would have to find a summer sport um, so I could do a winter Paralympics and a summer Paralympics. So I don't know. Wheelchair lacrosse isn't a Paralympic sport. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe something on the water. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but I'd have to uh, try some different sports before I, <laughs> before I make that decision. I want to try them all. Um, it's so cool. Like the different seeing, like seeing all the different athletes. I only see like hockey players. So it's cool to see all the different, all the different sports and how they take care of their bodies and how they train. And like, it's, it's cool. It's cool. 
I think it's just so amazing to hear the stories. I think, especially with the Paralympics being on the NBC Universal networks and getting that exposure, because I think it wasn't fair to you guys where this, the regular Olympics gets all the headlines, but you guys are still making big headlines also just not on that global impact. So now I'm thinking we're going to see you on the Black Diamond Mountains skiing for a gold medal eventually. I would do... It would be cool to do like the X Games or something. Oh yeah, because um, I I don't think I could do two Paralympic winter sports in the same Paralympics. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll do skiing. That'd be cool. You know, if you did two at the same time, both of the events would be going at the same time, and then you would have to choose which event is more important. Basically, I know that's why I don't even want to mess with any winter sports because everything's going to lose to hockey. So it's not even worth it. <laughs> Cause it's like the hockey goes the whole two weeks. And it's almost like what swimmers where they have so many events and sometimes they're going back to back to back. And that's even hard for them, even though they make it look easy. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It is unique as in like, we're going for one medal for the whole two weeks. Whereas like some of these the skiers and cross-country skiers are doing like eight events, seven events. Uh, it's kind of wild. Um, I don't know if I would want to do something with multiple events or just one, <laughs> but I don't know. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, both personally and professionally? Just keep uh, pursuing hockey. I mean, right now, as as long as I've been playing and stuff, like I think I'm hungrier than ever to just keep improving and um, just keep grinding with the guys. Um, so it's a lot of hockey, um, you know, just in the personal, I mean, hockey kind of bleeds into all of my personal life, my, all that. So um, I think get back into CrossFit. I was doing CrossFit before, went down to Nashville. Um, so that's kind of cool. But honestly, just travel a lot. Um, we didn't do much for those three months due to COVID and not, you know, trying to get out to Beijing. So um, just travel. I mean, play some hockey, but definitely like just uh, experience some things over the summer. That's what the next couple months are going to probably look like we have tryouts again in late July for the national team. So um, lots of training, but so, yeah. How many more years do you think you have it in you to play hockey? I don't know. It's a, it's a good question. It, it just all depends on um, health, like shoulder wise wrist elbow wise because I mean I'm loving it now more than ever so uh, not getting sick of it yet um yeah it just really depends on how my body holds up uh as a wheelchair user I have to be conscious about my shoulders even after hockey um so I don't know take it take it year by year cycle by cycle definitely going to go to Milan in 2026 though so 
if, uh, if I continue to make the team. So that's the plan. Has there ever been injuries in your career or have you been able to knock on what escape from injuries? Um, actually my first ever practice with NEP, the team I'm on now, um, I dislocated a growth plate in my right elbow. Ooh. Um, yeah, that was, that was rough. I've got my finger cut, uh, stitches, um, the tooth, uh, and a tooth kind of cracked. Um, other than that, I've been pretty fortunate. Uh, I've seen some nasty injuries, uh, some nasty cuts, some nasty, nasty stuff, but knock on wood, I've, I've pretty much avoided that most of my career. Ah, uh, concussion. I had a concussion a couple in December, but other than that, I've been pretty healthy. Well, hopefully you stay healthy. We don't want you to miss out on missing a team for an injury. Yeah. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Honestly, it's uh, my, my journey hasn't been easy. Nobody, nobody's journey who is successful and happy is, is easy. Um, it takes, takes a lot of hard work um, to chase the, the dreams you have. But when you get there, um, it's, it's an unreal feeling. Uh, making it to Beijing and winning the gold medal, uh, that's, been the, that's been the goal for eight years. And, um, to finally have it in, in your hands after all the training and sacrifice and hard work. Um, it's definitely something special. So I uh, just say, never give up. Um, if you really want to, if you really want something, work at it, find a way to do it, uh, adapt, you know, um, I do things. They might not always look pretty, but you just figure out how to do things. And then, yeah, just have that drive to never quit. And if you really want something, no matter what people say or think or you know, just really pursue those dreams. Well, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Tune in. It's time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe to all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full length episode and video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.